everyone, even the most casual hockey fan in town, can name Kyle Dubas's most appreciated acquisition to date. What about his most underappreciated? Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. His name is Noel Achari. And if that's not yet rolling off the tongue for the people who, let's say, uh, who watch the Penguins just when they happen to be on TV or because they're in the room with a spouse or a friend, they're not going to know who he is. If you're listening to a podcast called Daily Shot of Penguins, you probably do. But even then, there might not be the appreciation for what a Good, good fit. This has a chance to be. Achari's just on the wrong side of 30, but he can move. He puts every fiber of his 5 foot 10, 209 pound frame into a physical punishing approach. He can score enough that he's going to pop. Well, last season, split between St. Louis and Toronto, he had 14 goals in 77 games, which is not bad for a bottom six forward. And going back to the 2019-20 season, he had a career-high 20 with Florida. So he can do a, a little bit of the stuff that's measurable. He also can block shots, eat pucks, kill penalties, Be a terrific teammate by all accounts. And Dubas got him. This is the part that interests me more than any other. For three years and $6 million. Now, you can say what you want about going with a $2 million AAV for someone on your bottom six. Because theoretically, you should be able to find, and I used to say this a lot last season when the Penguins were getting almost nothing from their bottom six. You can, if you get lucky, pick up those kinds of guys on waivers. You can get them for close to NHL minimum. So the salary, the AAV, even the term looks a little bit out of whack. And then if you go back over Achari's own history, just of his own contracts, you'll find that this is the highest he's ever been paid, even though, again, he's on the wrong side of 30. And it's the longest term he's ever gotten. So why did that happen at this stage of his career? Here again, my first thought was Dubas was, of course, the Maple Leafs general manager who acquired Achari from the Blues. And when he did, Achari came and performed very well for Toronto, gave them a lot of what they'd been missing. And became an instant hit up there. I understand that's easy for new arrivals up there. And then people sour on you pretty quickly. But still, he was popular and he was popular for the right reasons. So it looks like Dubas went and got a guy he already liked. And if that meant he had to overpay a little bit, he'd overpay. But there was one other pattern that I found very intriguing. And that's that Every contract Achari has signed along the way with multiple teams now, 
he's gotten a significant bump in pay. That went from Boston to Florida to St. Louis to Toronto and now to Pittsburgh. This is the biggest contract of his life, and it's on the wrong side of 30 for a player who is, if, if we're being respectful but at the same time blunt, a bottom six guy who will pop a few goals for you and, and do things that some minor leaguers would do for you. Why is that? Why is he getting more money from every new team that he goes to, even in a flat salary cap world where it's not easy to get a raise in the NHL? To me, that is one significant, glowing plus on his resume. It really is. That means that you have earned the admiration, not only of the people in your locker room, not only of the guys standing behind you on the bench, but also of the ones in charge of managing the team's salary cap. Now, maybe it's because Achari was signed right at the beginning of free agency. There were a couple other names in there at the time that the Penguins had brought in, and he was one of those guys who ended up in uh, a comma headline, if you will. X, comma, X, comma, Achari signed by Penguins. But this was not a small deal. Not for the player, but also not for the team. Achari went to school with Brandon Tanev, and the two of them spoke before Achari signed with Pittsburgh, and Tanev told him, Dude, go! You're going to love it. They're going to love you. Not just the players, not just Mike Sullivan. The city is going to love you. Well, we know that Dubas loves him, right? When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by Family Table, a local company that brings delicious food to busy families. They offer family-style complete meals or a la carte items like lean proteins, perfect for muscle building and weight loss. If you're not local, gift cards are also available for your Pittsburgh-based family and friends. Go to FamilyTablePGH.com. That's FamilyTablePGH.com. And use the code DK40 or DK40 for 40% off and free delivery on your first order. Order by noon today for Thursday delivery. Today's J1Q comes from Eric, who says, DK, I'd like to ask a general NHL question. There are many mixed opinions about the extra point that gets awarded for overtime and shootout wins in the regular season. I feel like it makes regulation wins a little less important, even though it becomes a tiebreaker for playoffs. I've often thought that awarding three points for a win, two points for an OT or shootout win, one point for an OT or shootout loss, zero points for a regulation loss would be a better scoring system. Do you have any thoughts about this? Thanks for all your coverage. I appreciate that, Eric. I do have thoughts on it, but then I end up picking up those thoughts on a figurative piece of paper, crumpling it up, and dropping it into the nearest wastebasket. And here's why. Hockey does way too many things to alienate itself from new fans. We have finally, over recent years, seen the NHL's standings normalized to the point where 
you know who's in what conference, you know who's in what division, and for the most part, you can explain the standings without really struggling. You could probably do even the more intricate components to the standings in what, a minute and a half, two minutes? What you don't want to do is have a situation where the teams are headed to overtime, and this is my view, and you feel to an extent like your team's already lost something. Stick with me on this. The Penguins are, I don't know, they're down 3-2 entering the third period. They score a goal in the final five minutes. They get to OT. It's 3-3. Your team still has a chance to have a very exciting moment in your building. And you've already lost something. Because just by going to overtime, you've lost out on that third point. It takes something away from what could be a really, really cool moment. You know, when your team scores in overtime, the way you react now as a fan in the seats, when Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang gets a goal in OT is, yes, yes, we did it. We won. It was a little tough there, a little hairy, but we pulled it out and we won. And then the wise ass sitting next to you says, no, we didn't. The Capitals won in regulation, and so we actually lost a point on them in the standings. No one wants that. No one wants that. No one wants a win to be a partial loss. Do you see what I'm saying? And I I don't care how much it makes sense. And I don't care how much the most diehard of diehard hockey fans would say, oh, yeah, this is logical. I believe that there is value in growing the game. And you can't grow the game by having people go, what? You did what? Hang on a second. Why aren't you happy? Your team just won. What's wrong with you? That's that's kind of what I'm getting at here. I appreciate the question. Really good one. Could do a whole subject on it sometime. Heck, maybe even tomorrow. Who knows? Who knows?